Hey guys, it is your host again, Jason Coral. I'm here with Whatsoever is True, and let's jump right into this. This one we're going to do is on all of the inflation and, uh, you know, what it is, where it's coming from, and what Christians should be thinking about it. Um, today's today's uh, verse is going to be Proverbs 11.1, 1, and I've written quite a bit about this on whatsoeverstrue.com on the blog. You can go back and look at that in Proverbs. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. That's Proverbs 11, 1. Um, okay, so for our purposes, a false, balance is, a false balance is the Bible's means of commanding us that the Lord hates inflation. Inflation, which you're seeing at soars this very moment, is due to the government counterfeiting money. You know, we've too long, and I'm talking about Christians here, been conformed to this world instead of having our minds renewed by understanding, believing, and applying the principle of God to everyday life. You, I say this all the time. I'll say it again. There's nothing more important in our lives than understanding, believing, and living out the principles of Scripture in our daily lives. This shows our full commitment to Him. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice to Him. That's, that's Romans 12. Now, let's look back to the monetary theory. And most of us are rather surprised. We're like, wow, I didn't realize the Bible really had anything to say about economic theory, which is where you get these, these conversations, arguments, debates about socialism and so forth and so on. Uh, they come up because we're ignorant of the basics of Christian living. So a false balance, let's get to the bottom of this, happened in antiquity. And of course, biblical times, when a merchant added weight to the scale. In other words, they're, they're weighing the stones, uh, uh, the coins, and whatever the people were bringing in. Uh, usually they were gold and silver, and you know those were really, for thousands of years, gold and silver have been remarkably uh, stable units of, of exchange because they are limited, they are scarce, and they are valuable. And so, uh, anyway... We would weigh those things. Now, when a person would, would bring in those coins, um, the scales were there to weigh them. Now, you can have a scale that has um, been rigged, or you can have people using lesser valuable material mixed in with the coin to make it heavier, but, that, but there is a false balance there. So now, in either, in either event, that's a form of theft. And it's a violation of property rights through fraud. And in this case, if that happens, the Lord's civil magistrate exists to punish that sort of crime. Uh, the, but, and what we've seen today, the deadly lures of power and greed have brought nearly all governments, and especially our own today, into the game. Now they're out there. We've all got dishonest scales. A decentralized monetary system is a truly free market. Okay. So when we say free markets, that's what we mean, a decentralized money system, monetary system. In other words, the federal, there's no central bank. In such a market, fraud can be easily detected, and if the state does its rightful job, they can punish that. But complex financial and tax schemes are evidence of the sin of greed. Because, again, the government is involved in the game. It is the prime mover of the game. And so, therefore, it's got all of this, these complicated things about stock buybacks and, and uh, really complicated tax laws and, and, and all sorts of things that are coming into play because we're doing what God told us not to do. God's economy is simple enough. We complicate things when we try and cover up our impure motives and practices. This requires 
a just weight, though. I mean, God's economy requires a just weight, which is to say, in modern language, a stable money supply, a gold standard, for example. The reason that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, a favorite complaint by the political left, right? You know, Bernie Sanders and, and Elizabeth Warren are all over that one, is exactly because of their love affair with socialism. They certainly aren't wrong about that. So when a lot of people vote for Democrats, they vote for, for socialist-leaning candidates because they're, they're, they're looking at reality. They're going, wow, I mean, this is sort of a case where the rich are really, really wealthy and the poor seem to, and the middle class seem to be getting, getting the shaft. And they're actually right about that. It's just the, the, way they, the way they identify the problem and, of course, their solution because their problem is that their solution is the problem, more government. And it's, and, and it's another form of unbelief of God, saying that God hasn't said here. God did not speak of this. God is completely either neutral or what, or, you know, what have you. Um, and again, his commandments against stealing, theft, and covetousness, and to honor the God before, now have no false gods before him, are all violated in socialistic principles. So many are simply confused on this point, okay? So that's one of the reasons I'm making this podcast and we have the blog, is to try to educate everybody and get us thinking biblically. And, and they end up supporting things, politicians, policies, and so forth, that lead to the increase of the very abuses. And sin is fascinating that way. It's, the devil's a liar. And you end up choosing him because you're deceived, and then you're victimized by it. And that's what we're seeing economically right now. Christians should and must reach out and teach the world about God's economic principles and call for the obedience of faith, Romans 1.5. The poor and middle class are absolutely victimized by today's modern economic theories and policies. The problem is that, you know, we're often like a lactose intolerant dude trying to cure their, their tempestuous tummy by downing a big milkshake because the milkshake tastes good. Um, that's what giving government more control over the economy that it's messed up does. Now, it's just, it's just doubling down and you're going to have a big mess. Um, I don't mean to be crude, but I mean, just follow that analogy far enough through and you get where I'm going with it. So fiat money, which is just conjuring money up out of nowhere, it, that is, it's not limited. The amount of money you can put in circulation is not limited by anything, certainly not by gold. Fiat money is an abomination to the Lord. And that's the federal government, the Fed policy, the central bank. They don't want to call it a central bank, but because they're trying to, again, use deceptive words to hide what's really going on. So fiat money allows the government to bring money into market whenever it wants. That's counterfeiting. A gold standard limits the greed of government's banks and businessmen because the money they use has to have been earned. It's got to represent real wealth. In other words, the money must represent something. It's got to represent actual wealth and productivity. It can't, as is our case today, be conjured into existence by the click of a keyboard. That's counterfeiting. And if a person does it, they go to jail. But it's Fed policy if Jerome Powell does it, right? So if a counterfeiter acts, it's just let's look at it this way. If a counterfeiter is in a certain geographical area and he goes out and buys a bunch of houses or something with a bunch of funny money, um, he's clearly defrauded the house builders and so forth. On a small scale, those people are victimized. 
On a larger scale, if he's not checked, if this continues, there's going to be an inflationary pressure because all of this funny money has been introduced into that geographical area. Clearly, the amount of goods and services have not increased at the rate that the monetary supply increased. So therefore, those goods and services will start to go up in price, leaving in the dust those poor rubes that didn't get in on a counterfeiting scheme early. That's why you're seeing the stock markets are way up and they're making tons of money, you know, and you're like, where are these people getting all this money from? Well, there you go. Um, so rising prices are due to counterfeiting, inflation counterfeiting, all right? Unjust scales, dishonest scales, either, you know, privately or through the state, but the easiest way to do it is, to, right, through the state, go into government. So at the heart of correct monetary theory is the Bible's teaching on property rights, yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> um, property rights, thou shalt not steal. Honesty, thou shalt not lie. Contract rights, thou shalt not lie again. And a stable money supply, which is both thou shalt not lie and thou shalt not steal. Monetary theory and economic practice, are they're inextricably linked because they're based on not confusing economic philosophies like, you know, different strains of Marxism and, and interventionism and so forth, but on God's unchanging word. Isn't that beautiful? This is what we need to be telling the world. So, because, listen, when the Apostle Paul said that the love of money was a root of all kinds of crap in society, and he did, in Greek, use the word kakos. So, you can take from crap. You can also use a stronger word, which I won't use here, but you get the idea, which is why I use the lactose intolerant uh, kind of thing earlier. Um, he didn't say this. He, this is very important sometimes to look at Scripture and, and think what we didn't hear. We didn't hear, for the love of production is the root of all kinds of evil, or the love of making shoes, or the love of farming, or the love of doing blogs or something, right? <laughs> those aren't the roots of all kinds of evil, but the love of the unit of exchange used to buy those things is. Why? Why? Why is that? Why? Well, the, the truth is that covetousness is the heart of the problem. It's the love of something for nothing. Get it? It's the desire to have what you didn't earn through the service of your neighbor. It's the desire to have something without having to serve them. It's the desire to have something without having to put the work in to, to do something for somebody to get that thing. The, the, this old uh, success coach, Zig Ziglar, Christian man, said this great line, there's no telling what you can get in life if you help enough other people get what they want in life. What a wonderful line. That is the heart and soul of Christian economics. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, economics is easy, right? Economics is easy. I'm, I'm going to try and make you excited about good economics. The problem is that covetous people can't simply print into existence farms, shoes, houses, books, blogs, and all that stuff. There's no such thing as a fiat farm. <laughs> All of these things require labor. The temptation to print money is, therefore, the covetous desire to bypass God's law and have something for nothing. It's an extremely crafty form of thievery, isn't it? If you want to be the best thief you can be? Go into Congress. So why risk an armed confrontation in order to gain wealth if we can just print money and then, and then make money through some schemes and, and you know, uh, kickbacks and, and, you know, kind of wink, nod, nod, briberies, that kind of thing. Um, I, can get into, I can get into lobbying, right? I can have, remember the Ch Clinton Charitable Foundation made hundreds of millions of dollars? I mean, you don't think they were trying to buy economic favor, do you? Um, see, everybody's happy. 
Oh, not so fast, because we've probably heard, right? God is not mocked. When we violate his law and the command to love our neighbor means developing skills in life to serve them economically, because everybody gets in and always thinking that's charity. No, you're serving your neighbor by your work, and you should be paid for your work, because not to get paid for your work means that you're not doing anything productive. Um, if you've got enough productivity that you can then give to charity, well, that's what you're supposed to be doing with your productivity. Anyway... So what happens is we get hit with the boomerang of sin. You know, that's the thing. You throw, you throw that boomerang, it always comes back and nails you in the noggin. Um, have you noticed the empty shelves in the store? Have you noticed the prices rising? Hey, boys and girls, these are the consequences of the government sending out all those stimulus checks. Sin has so blinded us that we truly thought that we could tell people last year to stop working and then send counterfeited money to them to stave off starvation. Because that's what's going to happen when you stop working. You're going to starve to death. You think COVID would kill people? Starvation is going to kill everybody. So they had to print money. It's not like the government had a savings account. Talk about a God complex. I mean, that's exactly what they do. Don't work. The Lord says to work. Um, and uh, the, the, the state said, be still. Don't work. I'll provide. Um, Donald Trump did it. Joe Biden did it. Before them, Barack Obama's Fed pumped trillions into that wonderful, fancy scheme called quantitative easing. And before that, George W. Bush's Fed, Greenspan, started pushing uh, rates down. And Greenspan was an old Ayn Rand disciple. So that's interesting. He, he should have known better. And remember, and he sent out the Bush administration, going back to 20 years now, sent out $300 stimulus checks, which really seems so quaint by today's drunken sailor standard level spending spree. And before all of that happened, on August 15th, 1971, Richard Nixon closed the gold standard in America. So you couldn't exchange your your treasury notes for gold. You couldn't do that anymore. And so that was basically the end of any kind of restraint the Fed had, the U.S. government had, on its monetary policy. So at that point forward, with the exception of Paul Volcker and the high interest rates of the like 80, 81, 82, where interest rates were pushing 15 to 20% to stave off the collapse of the US dollar, which was had been inflated. Um, <clears throat> with the exception of that, we have been in an inflationary cycle such as the world has never seen. That's why I'm telling you this is going to get worse. It's just basic math. Last year alone, due to government overreaction to COVID, I think we sent American homes something like $6 trillion, and that money never existed before. Again, it wasn't sitting in a, in a piggy bank, saved up. It was conjured up out of thin air. And then you're wondering why we're the shortages in inflation. Okay, so the way out of this mess, what's the way out? We need to repent of covetousness. The poor are greedy, okay, and then they're victimized by the lies politicians use to get their votes. Anyone who wants something for nothing, anyone who wants not to serve their neighbor and take the risk of doing that and the responsibility of doing that is in sin. Proper economics comes down to service of the Lord and then go to work, take care of your family, be responsible, serve your neighbor through your work. Give to charity out of the profit. The politicians in the connected class, the bankers, the corporations drunk on the excesses of things like stock buybacks, etc. Everyone must repent of their lies and deception. We're all caught in this dragnet, guys. I know I was. God's economic theory is based on the family. I mean, that's what economics is, is family money. It's based on working with our God-given talents for his glory in the service of our neighbor. If God doesn't get the glory for this, we're doing it wrong. 
right? If we don't end up with glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got a problem in our theology, and our problems with our theology will always lead to problems with our living. So we aren't meant to serve, be served, but to serve. That's why I can't stand when people say, this is a consumer economy. Oh, give me a break. The government is ordained by God to punish crime, and one of the big crimes is counterfeiting and stealing. So, I mean, is it going to punish itself? It's never to play favorites or show partiality to any group of citizens over another. To that end, the magistrate is not granted by God the right to print money, only to enforce property rights and contract law. Christians need to call and preach to the government to do that. It designed your prophet. If you're a Christian, speak the truth in love to the world at large and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Presently, though, we're all drunk on the fantasy of funny money. We're all drunk on the life of lies our inflationary culture is providing. Every rising, um, I mean, rising home prices, ridiculously low interest rates, they're artificial. Combined with blind money printing that's enriched the connected class, um, it's all going to bankrupt us. God loves mercy and not sacrifice. He's a forgiving God who yearns for the heart devotion of his children. So let's all memorize Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening, his eye, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Again, Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. See what we're saying here? We're warned that violating his perfect law leads to catastrophe and pain, poverty, inflation, the most unloving thing any man or woman can ever do is not tell their children about the righteousness of God's law. The most treacherous thing a Christian can do is not speak to the world about Jesus Christ, about judgment of sin, but also the deliverance through faith. And yeah, the most foolish thing to do is to say, the Lord doesn't see. He doesn't care about money and economic policy. That's the stupidest thing in all the world to do is to doubt the authority, the righteousness, and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, memorize Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11, and repeat it to yourself when you face the varied particulars of the world. In other words, when things come up, you're like, I'm not sure what to think about this. Go back to Romans 4, verse 3. What does the scripture say? Well, Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11, that's what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul, making wise the simple. You can understand this. Economic theory isn't outside of his law, and you can and should know it. And remember, we're told that our reasonable worship is to present our entire self as a living sacrifice to him. So what are we what are we thinking about money? What are we thinking about our work? What are we thinking about our vocation? Are we conformed to this world? Or are we transformed by the renewal of our mind? And we renew our mind by presenting ourselves as a sacrifice, a living, breathing, thinking, chatting, laughing, sacrifice to him. Everything goes through him, right? Uh, Romans 11, 30, uh, 36 is that for from him and through him and to him are all things. Not for from him and through him and to him are most things, but not economic policy. 
That's terrible. And, and, and this is what we're running into. So for another level, level of practical advice is I would say definitely pay off your debt. Make sure your house is paid for. Don't go out and take more debt on right now. America is in the initial throes of an economic collapse. When is it going to happen? I have no idea. This is not financial advice. I'm just giving you fundamentals. Pay off your debt. Own your property if you can. Um, have real money. Gold and silver definitely count. Um, I'm not going to get, get into Bitcoin or anything right now. But the, 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 the advent of Bitcoin is because people, well, on one level, people are really greedy and are rushing in to get something for nothing. And that's the impulse. Don't do that. The impulse should be to have a real store of your wealth for savings for the future. Okay, I would definitely suggest that you end up again. Another piece of practical advice: I think uh, if you can get non-perishables and store some, I would definitely do that because there's more shortages and inflation coming down the pipe. It's coming. It's inevitable. But America should, can, and should repent. And like I said, the Lord is merciful, and the Lord will be good. And uh, we can't sit there and just be a part of this world and and not expect to be caught up in some of the judgment that's coming with it. All right, so that's a wrap for today. Hopefully this was edifying. Hopefully this opens the world up again as it shows. You see how the, the, the principles of the scripture can illuminate everything and, and make straight your paths because you're not leaning on your own understanding or the understanding of, say, Elizabeth Warren or some other politician or, again, an economic hack who doesn't ever define the fundamentals. All right, God bless.